Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This is my repeat guest, Matt Geertz. Um, full hey, di- hey, full disclosure, he has been putting out some YouTube videos and one of his videos was really awesome that I really liked. So instead of ripping him off, I decided to get him back on the show. <laughs> it's just like, that's that's kind of the game plan, is I hear stuff around, and I'm like, hey, that was good. Come on my show and redo it. So, uh, Matt, let's uh, let's talk about return on... No, you know what? Let's do your intro first. Tell us about yourself, and then we'll jump into return on equity. Sounds good. My name is Matt Geertz from Geertz Capital Investment. Um, I've been investing for uh, just under four years, um, doing burst strategies, some wholesaling, some flipping, this and that. Uh, you can learn about me at mattgeertz.com or hit me up on Facebook as my number one. You can find me as Matt Geertz or join the London Creative REI Meetup Facebook group. That's uh, where I spend a lot of time. Yes, and actually we'll plug his group a bit too because I love his group. I, I love going to lots of meetups, but actually my favorite ones, there's one in North York. And there's one in London that they're both actually there's one in Kitchener now too, where there's a meetup where it's just like meet up and network. It's not about the speaker, it's about building your network and bouncing ideas and learning that way, which whenever I go to other meetups, a lot of people just skip out after the speaker, which blows my mind because that doesn't make any sense because the real value is talking to people. <laughs> At least when I go to meetups, that's what I want to go to. A lot of times I'm like, I prefer there not to be a speaker unless it's something I'm really interested in to just network. So if that's for you, or if that's your interest, get over to Tiger Jack's on, I think it's like the third Tuesday, second Tuesday, something like <laughs> nearest, that. Nearest Tuesday to the 15th every month, 6.30 p.m. at Tiger Jack's in London. Cool. Yeah. Th- thanks for saying that it's one of your favorites. It's uh, it's one of my favorites. Obviously, it's my meetup. But, uh, <laughs> I've been running it for almost four years now, and uh, yeah, I really like that factor. That it's I, I was there from six thirty p.m. until midnight uh, two nights ago. Yesterday, two nights ago, and uh, you know that's that's six hours of just chatting with other people in the business instead of sitting quietly through presentations. I have a hard time with that. Um, you know, it's nice to go to those meetups where there's where there's a good amount of people that go to the bar after the meetup and you can have that real one-on-one chat. But uh, but when the whole six hours is, is just people talking about, you know, what they can do for each other, what they need from each other and, and what their strategies and goals are, it's, uh, it makes for a really valuable meetup. Yes. And like you did that last month too, because I think everyone else cleared out at like 9 or 10 o'clock and the two of us shut that place down and the, the bartenders kicked us out. And then we talked in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm there past midnight yeah. uh, just about every time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to, let's get focused. So, yeah, let's get on with it. Yeah, so you did a great presentation on return on equity. So um, tell us a little bit about like why return on an equity – why use return on equity as even a statistic – and like, hold on, everybody. If you're like, oh, this sounds like a numbers one, everything. Get, you can. There's a lot to grasp here, and there's a lot, especially for Ontario investors, to like. You can realize that there's a lot of money to make more money in your properties, and there's a way to use it properly. And Matt will take this over, but don't turn out because you hear numbers. We'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it lively. <laughs> you keep it totally lowbrow for sure. There's. There's a real simple way to explain it, right? It's uh, like without diving into any numbers or formulas or anything, it's, it's you know, you want to be getting a good, um, 
good returns on what you're investing, right? You want your investments to have good returns. What does good returns mean? Um, let's say with a property you already own, um, I created this video because I made a spreadsheet that I was using to make a decision about whether or not to keep my properties or sell them. I'm, I'm in a bit of a cash crunch and you know, I, I'm a numbers guy. I like to, to go through the, the advanced math and figure out the right answer. But, but the, the simple way to explain it is simply, um, if I sold a property, how much money would I have in my hands after all the cost of sale and even some estimate for how much taxes I would pay. Um, everybody's situation with taxes is different. So whatever, I just kind of fudge the numbers and came up with something. Um, how much money would I have in my hand versus how much cash flow does the property spit out each month and how much, um, total gain am I getting out of that property each month? Right? So the cash flow is after all the bills are paid, how much cash is coming out, the, the total return is, you know, the cash flow plus the mortgage pay down plus maybe some of some assumption of appreciation yeah. if you're into that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're getting a good number. So this particular property that I, that I ran the number on the, the cash on equity. So the amount of cash flow per, you know, money that I could have in my hand um, was like 1%. It's like, I might as well just have a GIC because GICs don't have toilet leaks. Yeah. And, and we should, That's we should say like, this is not, we're not talking about like a cash on cash return. You go, why the hell does Matt have a 1% cash? Return? That's not what he's saying. Cause he bought the property in the past and he Here's bought it for idea. way cheaper. And there's a lot, he's counting all this appreciation as basically down payment. Like you counting it the same way. Cause it's, it's your money that's sunk in that deal. Even if it's not something, nothing you can touch cause it's stuck in appreciation, but, or equity, equity, I guess wrong word. But anyway, Continue, but that's kind of. I just want people to not think he's buying one percent properties. <laughs> no, no, that would be that'd be a crap deal. But that's the funny thing is that now over time, because a couple of things happened with that property. One, I did a refi, which means that my uh, my borrowing expenses went up. Yeah. Uh, two, the property is worth way more. It appreciated like crazy because it was just in just the right spot um, in London, uh, in the south of town. They right after I bought it, they cleared the land south of there and built a, a high end uh, new development. Um, and then the other thing is that the condo fees went up. So, oh, and rent control. Thank you, Ontario government. We can't make any money in rentals that we hold for a long time because, you know, rents are doing this and rent controls doing this. Yeah. Um, so because I have 2016 rents coming in and I've got, you know, 2020 value, uh, in the property, you know, plus the higher condo fees and the higher lending fees, essentially my cash flow out of that property, assuming zero vacancy, which is dumb assuming zero repairs, which is dumb. Um, my cash flow is like 90 bucks a month, right? So like just doing the hard costs versus the rent coming in, it's 90 bucks. Like it's, it's not worth, you know, I, I'd invest $5,000 maybe for 90 bucks a month. But, um, you know, what I figured was I have, uh, after I pay the taxes, I'll have like $85,000 in my hand after taxes if I sell this property. So it's just crazy to, to have, you know, instead of $85,000 in cash that I can go and invest, I just lend it to somebody at 12%. So that's kind of my benchmark is that if a property is not going to give me a, a return on equity of at least 12%, then there's no reason to own it. I can just sell it and take the money and either invest it in a better um, ROI property, return on investment, um, or just lend it out to somebody at, at you know, 12% interest yep. plus points and, and, and do really well that way. You know, even stuff that money into a tax-free account like a TFSA. Um, yeah. 
So it's just making sure it's 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 basically curating my portfolio to make sure that um, I'm not just locking up piles of money somewhere for no reason, just so that somebody can have the opportunity to live for cheap. Um, and I'm not making any gains on it, right? Like I'm working hard in this business. I want to make gains. So, uh, you know, doing that yeah. spreadsheet told me without a doubt, and I was doubting it just by doing it uh, emotionally by thinking, you know, am I making enough money here? Is it going well? You know, those are really, really subjective questions. Um, but when you run it all through the spreadsheet and it tells you that your return on equity is like one or sorry, your cash on equity is 1%. I think my return on equity was four, yep. which is still really weak. Um, yeah. So it, it just became obvious that I, I need to sell that property. Like I'm wasting my money. I'm wasting my time um, by hanging on to that thing. And it's, it's risky, right? You never know when something might go wrong to cost me 20,000 of the property. Who knows? Right. And so you, like, I've heard this from, maybe I won't drop names, but one of these gut podcasts I listen to and they have like a, a good hundred houses per portfolio kind of thing. And what they do is every year they're always buying, but every year they sell off like two houses in the bottom, whatever has the lowest return on equity, get rid of them and start over and then reinvest that into new stuff to put up at the top. And stuff keeps working its way down, doing the cycle and cycling through the whole thing and go. Okay. One thing I wanted to touch on with yours, <clears throat> you, you talked about taxes. You like, so a lot of people, they got to factor in more than just the really simple cost of, oh, if I sold this property, you know, what other things are we, should we have in the spreadsheet to, to subtract from the cost? Like, you know, probably a realtor, what other things should they have in this spreadsheet to make sure that the, that they get to the, the right thing at the bottom, that they're making a informed decision? Yeah. I, I, I hate seeing people think that you know, they bought a property for 150 and now it's worth 250. So now I have a hundred thousand dollars in equity, but that's not really how it works. Right. Um, so, you know, from your 250, you know, right off the bat, I, I like to say 5% for, for the cost of sale. Um, realtors around here are usually 4%, like two, yeah. two and two for the selling realtor and two for the buying realtor. Um, but I, I just like to say 5% for, for conservation. Um, and then I also just throw in, I throw in $2,000 to cover just whatever. So, you know, the extra percent, the extra $2,000, that's going to cover my lawyer um, and just whatever little things that I need, right? I'm going to go in there into the building and, and just who knows, maybe there's a bad scuff in the paint or something that I want to fix up. And, and yeah, you never know. If, it, if you're not selling it as is, the, the buyer might ask for some little silly thing to get fixed first. <laughs> some little silly thing who knows right yeah. like two grand just poof in a property right who knows yeah um so if i if i had expected repairs right like if i knew that it needed a roof before i sold it you know i'd slap on the five thousand dollars on top of that two thousand dollars so it's like a two thousand dollar unknown expenses pot yeah. um as well as the five percent for the realtor and i can basically consider that my cost of sale yeah okay you, you talked about taxes after that right all oh, so, right taxes yes so the taxes are a little tricky. So, um, you know, I've done a refi on the property. So what I'm going to get out of the property when I sell it is not just, you know, the sale price minus the cost of sale minus the mortgage. Um, well, sorry, that is what I'll get out of the property, but that's not what I'm being taxed on. Because I did a refinance, what the mortgage is on it now is higher than what I paid for in the first place. So what I'm going to get taxed on is the capital gain, which is my cost basis, which is what I paid for the property plus all of the cost of getting to the first day of rental. Um, so that's the land transfer tax, the lawyer, uh, setting up the utilities in my name, those all have administration fees, having the utility bill for the month or two that it took me to rent it when I first bought it, any repairs um, that went into the property, 
before I actually got a tenant in there. So all of the money spent up until the day the tenant comes in, that's the cost basis. Yeah. Now, I'm not an accountant. <clears throat> yeah. Ask an accountant. Pretty sure that's good. Um, and then we look at the the sale price minus the cost of sale. And the difference between your cost basis and your sale price minus the cost of sale, that's your capital gain. Now your capital gain then is taxed at, you know, our capital gains rate, 50% of your capital gain is added to your income tax, your, your taxable income for the year. Yeah. So in my scenario, both my wife and I, uh, we share the property. So the, the profits, so the, price minus cost of sale minus mortgage yep. comes in. And then we look at the capital gain, divide that by two, we split it, it gets added to each of our income and we're taxed at our regular tax rate for that. So because because um, my wife is not employed and we get to split it and only 50% of the gains are taxable, um, it's a pretty fair tax treatment. So, you know, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, <clears throat> You know the ninety thousand dollars or something, and pay six or eight thousand dollars in tax or something like that. So it's it's not that bad. Cool. Is there anything else we want to touch on on this topic? Yeah, I guess the next thing to touch on is like how to how to figure out what you're going to re reinvest into, right? So um, you're pulling this money out because it doesn't meet a particular threshold. So now you've got to look at um, how you're going to use your money to get uh, a return that's better than that threshold. Yeah. So now when you're going to do the buy, you're not actually going to look at your return on equity. You, you need to look at your return on investment now, right? Your, your cash on cash um, and your return on cash as well. So uh, it shouldn't be too confusing, but you look at whether or not you should sell the property based on your uh, return on equity. And yeah. then the new property that you're going to buy is based on your return on investment. Um, yeah. And then the moment that you bought that property, uh, immediately your return on equity is going to look higher because you actually have less equity than, than uh, you've bought into the property at, right? You, you spent a hundred thousand dollars to get into the property, but you now immediately have lost money because land transfer tax, lawyers, the eventual cost of sale, the eventual costs of, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so if you bought the property, then immediately sold it, you wouldn't have a hundred thousand dollars in your pocket unless you got an amazing deal, right? If you're, you're talking to a wholesaler or you're going direct to seller, you get a ridiculous deal. So um, return on equity and return on investment can be, they can go either way at the time of purchase. If you're buying full retail property, then your return on equity is way higher only because your equity is actually lower than what you invested because you're not going to get that much money back out if you're buying retail MLS realtors, full price, right? Competing. Yep. Cool. I think to sum this up in one quick, like two sentence thing if look at what all of the money that's in your properties look at all this equity that's sitting in your properties and not making you any money evaluate that and then if it makes sense sell the property get rid of it or you know depending what there's all kinds of ways to get rid of properties i won't get into that but and then move your prop you move that same prop profit into stuff that will make you the returns you should be earning on your equity because equity doesn't make you any money when it's sitting in a property. Yeah, exactly. And you know, return on equity can be, it can be all over the place. If you bought a, a house all cash, well, the equity in the property is basically the whole price of it. So although you might be getting a huge cash flow, it's only because you didn't leverage and you're probably not getting a great return on equity because the whole property minus the cost of sale is equity. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, just always keep in keep in mind what your um, what your rate of return is on your portfolio, and your portfolio's value is that equity, uh, that liquidated equity of what would be in your hand after you sold. So I think I'm going to start doing it maybe twice a year. I'll start doing it every you know every uh, every May and every December or something like that, and decide what properties are going to get the act, um, so that I can move the move the money into uh, into better deals. Why May and December? I would think you want to do like maybe January, so you could sell it up, like set it up perfectly, so whenever you hit like the spring market, you could, you know, get all the fresh faces that are looking for cheaper houses. Right. There's the spring market, but then there's also RRSP late contribution season. Okay. So if I can get this property sold before the deadline for RRSP contributions, I can stuff some of that money in to protect last year's taxes. Okay. And then you yeah, can, right? and then you can loan your RSP money to somebody, right? Yeah, that, exactly. a game? I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm looking at it in May. I can immediately do a quick sale and have cash ready for that that ripe, ripe for investors fall market, right? Where you're getting the people who couldn't sell their house or they're they're just off season. They're not going to get the best dollar. Awesome. Okay, thank you for coming on the show, Matt. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, how is the best way to do so? Uh, you can email me, invest at Um Just go to MattGears.com and check out my stuff. Uh, it's, it's a little outdated. I'll, I'll try to work on that. Um, Facebook, honestly, is the best way to do it. I am I have a bit of a reputation for being addicted to Facebook. So uh, find me as Matt Geertz or, or uh, join the group um, London Creative REI Meetup. Um, and it's, it's pretty easy to find me on there. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Right on. Thanks, man.